Hello and welcome to the Decking Awesome Podcast. My name is Owen and I'm joined by the awesome Kira and Brian. Hello. Hello. Today we are breaking down our favorite teamwork board games. These are games that engage a group of players as a whole. We are looking for games that ensure teamwork is at its core and encourage players to work well together. So let's dive in. Brian, what is your number five? My number five, I've gone for Escape, Curse of the Temple. Now, I know on the surface of it, this isn't a teamwork game. Like, by itself, this game is, you know, just everyone kind of playing together. But, you know, you're fast-paced rolling dice, you're running around a temple, you're trying to get artifacts and get back out again. But the teamwork element comes in when one of you gets stuck. When you run out of dice, someone has to come back to the room you're in and just like give you dice. So you can't just abandon your teammates or you're never going to finish the game. But this is a, a really, really fun, you know, fast-paced, high-octane game where you are just flying through everything. You're rolling dice too fast to even keep track. And then you're just like, nope, I'm stuck. I'm completely stuck. I can't, I can't move anymore. Someone please come help me. <laughs> I love I love that part of Escape in the fact that it's, it's a sprinkling of teamwork and it's only in the worst possible times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's when things are going really badly. That's when the teamwork needs to ratchet up so that everyone's working together. Before then, you can definitely go off and do your own thing. Sometimes you have to go into a room and work together to get a certain gem. So there's kind of certain times where you're trying to go through the maze together. Uh, but people split off every now and then and it never goes well. Never <laughs> split the party. Yeah. <laughs> you have to split the party. Let's have to, uh, to, to get wise, through stuff. To win, you, just have, you to, have to yeah. split the party. But yeah, it, it, I think the fact that you have to then yell, I need help. And people then, even though they had their own plans, have to then run to you. Because if, if you have three people playing and one of you is down, you're not going to win either. So you've you got to balance that, wanting to go off on your own. And then like, when you need to be there, you need to be there. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Kira, what is your number five? My number five is the classic castle panic. I mean, you have a castle at the center of a board and monsters are coming towards it. Monsters of different types. You have kind of like, because the castle is the top of a hill, you can see out to the monsters. So they kind of come from far away and then come close. And you have to kill them with the cards that you have along with your teammates. So you have to think strategically about the cards that you have and the cards all your teammates have and destroy them before they get to the castle. It's a lot of fun. It does help if you think strategically or if one of the people on your in your group thinks strategically. But you can also just worry about killing enemies because you get glory points or I can't remember what they're called, but some sort of equivalent of glory points for taking the kills. So you also kind of want to be a little bit self-centered, but a, a lot of it is about you got to stop the castle getting destroyed. So you've got to pitch in and defend your area and kick some ass. Yeah, it's a tricky one, Castle Panic, because I think if you're a strategic player, you can kind of dominate a little bit sometimes, right? Is that is that a problem you've seen? Or is um, it, I think, think it's in all games where there's a lot of strategy, right? I think you can't be too shy about giving your idea, but I think, thankfully, the people we normally play with are all of equally loudness. Strategic-minded. <laughs> Strategic-minded and pushiness for the believing their plan is correct. But yeah, sometimes I think people can take over, but you do get the option of, it's your go, so do what you want with your cards. It works better if everyone's pitching in. Because if you don't pitch in together, you sometimes you don't see things coming that are going to come. Yeah, I think in Castle Panic, sometimes there's like, if you're not all working together and you're not all singing off the same page, that sometimes you don't finish a round well enough and the next round is too far on top of you before you can get back on track. So like... It, it's a good element of working together, but if you're not working together, the game's going to punish you for it. Yeah, that's a beautiful looking game as well, with the castle in the middle of the board and then all the creatures coming in at it. Yeah, it's good as well. You know, the artwork is comical. 
there's not too many rules to follow. The cards are, aren't overly complicated. There's some of them that have like swapping things and trading things, but nothing is too crazy. And the flow is pretty good. You're not, you can spend a good bit of time talking about strategy, but at the end of it, you just, you can just go. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. My number five is Gloomhaven. It's a, a total classic. I like that description of it. (laughs) It's kind of a relatively new game, but it's incredibly popular. After its first Kickstarter, it became worldwide well known. I've lost count of it. What are they on now? Like the fifth version or the? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of different expansions to it. I actually have the Jaws of the Lion one. That's uh, it's kind of a smaller version of the big box game, but like this is a role playing game board game. So instead of it being like Dungeons Dragons, where you have to pick, you know, it's all paper and pencils and stuff, you actually have characters here and there's rules to the board game where you know you have combat and you're leveling up your characters as you progress through this entire world it's not exactly specifically about teamwork it's more about individual characters going through their adventure but teamwork is super needed yeah to survive a dungeon together you got to share the loot and i i like the action deck that each character has i think that makes for a very interesting like you kind of get to learn a new set of skills or a new set of combinations and the strengths and weaknesses of each character as you travel through. So even some of the characters are really teamwork driven. I know there's like a like a paladin equivalent where a lot of them is like, do something, give your one of your players a card back and give somebody beside you this and that. And I think those elements are actually really strongly teamwork, like related on you have to be there beside your team member and you have to not attack your team members. A rule, Brian, forgets, I know a lot of the time. I'm just <laughs> saying I do a lot of area damage. Just don't be standing in the area I'm attacking. That's entirely <laughs> your fault. And then when you tell us the area, you usually change that by the time it gets to your goal. <laughs> I have a better idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I think because it, it, it solves a lot of problems of these teamwork games in the fact that you're the only person who knows their character the most. So you know what they're capable of, you know how they can help people. And so when someone says like, oh, I'm getting my ass beat by this you know, sorcerer over here, they'll ask for your help in a kind of generic way because they're not really sure what kind of spells you can do or if you're just going to run and shoot a bow and arrow. So uh, obviously they'll know what class you are, <laughs> but they won't really know the specifics. So that kind of power difference where one person is really good at one specific thing, but they're not great at everything else, just kind of brings teamwork into it and ensures that everyone's kind of working together. So no matter what happens, Teamwork is at the center. The oh, my only criticism of Gloomhaven is the absolutely massive setup <laughs> involved with yeah. the game. We've now moved to playing on Steam, which where the computer does all the setup for you, and it's still mildly infuriating. <laughs> but you have to read easier. all the decks, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but as, as board game RPGs go, this is probably like one of the best. Oh, absolutely. oh definitely, definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's the most in depth anyway. It has such a huge campaign, such a huge personal character growth in it, and experience points and leveling up. It's not just like oh, my strength increases by one. It's like you can fundamentally change your powers by putting different cards in your deck. Very cool. Brian, what is your number four? My number four, I've gone for one in a very similar vein. I've gone for Mansions of Madness. This is a game that I absolutely love where it's a similar set up to Gloomhaven, you know, where you're playing with boards, but you're using an app to help you play through the game as well, which is fantastic. Like you're working as a team going around exploring mansions or areas or whatever. And ultimately, you know, there's monsters turning against you and showing up and there's different things in different rooms and you're kind of working against the clock trying to get out. And I think it's a really fun game. You know, there's good resource management and turn management and stuff like that, but you also have to kind of work together. You need to split up to 
search the area, but you also have to kind of stick together too in case you get outnumbered or something like that so that you're not instantly killed by the hordes of zombies or whatever it is that are attacking you. And I, I love to see, you know, the move towards apps being involved with board games as well. Like you're not just playing an app, you're playing the board game, but the app is essentially being the dungeon master for you, which I think is really good. It's really fun. It doesn't take over, but, you know, it provides spooky ambiance and it tells you what does what and you can put in, you know, your attack damage and stuff like that and it'll do the calculations for you. And I think it's just a, it's a great addition to a complicated game to simplify it, but also an addition to it. Synergy. I love Mansions of Madness. I think the teamwork aspect of it is great. Especially there is like the characters have specific roles. They're not too well defined because, you know, like Brian said, it is about just everyone being where the enemies are. It's better just having more feet on the ground than it is to have the fighter on his own. That'll never work, you know? So yeah, I think figuring stuff out as together and being strategic, but also just taking guesses and taking wild hunches is kind of where, and Mansions of Madness forces you to make those yeah. guesses and to try and beat it because if you just go linearly, you're not going to win. You got to try to take chances. Yeah, and I think that no one is that strong of a fighter and no one is that, I know you get a few more extra dice, but like a good dice roll will beat a strong fighter character any day. I love the escalation level, even though it makes it very, very difficult to beat. But sometimes I think if you've become a very well-oiled machine with your teammates and you're used to the way they strategically think, a bit of a super escalation can help. This is a game to just kick your ass and really humble you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, because you can't control it. And I do think I don't like when there's a DM sometimes in the game because I feel that person is excluded and on their own. And for teamwork heavy games like this, where everyone else is so in depth in conversation, being the DM can be a little bit like left out, especially if it's not like in something like D&D where you get a storytell as the DM. In one of these, you're just more like a math engine. So it's good to, to outsource that to an app rather than having one person on their own. I think that that makes it uh, really interesting as well. Absolutely. Now, um, Kira, what's your number four? So my number four is Horizon Zero Dawn. So this is a game we got recently enough. It's very interesting in it has the, I guess, in the Gloomhaven style of there's a limited action deck for each character, which makes it very interesting because that allows you to do some teamwork, but not all of the teamwork that you might want to do. So you can help in certain ways, but also it depends on what cards you get and what you can do and whether you can take a chance on trying to help somebody or whether you're going to just go after a creature on your own. Because there's also like in the game, you play as uh, one of the various warriors from the different tribes. There's four tribes in it. You can pick a character from each and you're fighting the machines from the computer game. And each game, you kind of, you do like four levels and a boss. And the levels are set up following like rules and you pick a level and all. Like it, it, it's pretty straightforward in, in that manner, but there is a lot of setup in it. And there is a lot of like learning the rules. There's a lot, the quite extensive rule book that goes with it and quite an extensive engine mechanic for the bad guys in it. But finding ways to be creatively helpful to your teammates in that environment is good. So like if you just play it independently, there's a good chance you're going to get beaten or there's a good chance a fight can get out of control really quickly. You can't just take uh, everything on one-on-one, -on -one, but you can take some things on one-on-one -on -one, and you also want to stop the creatures going off the board. So you have to, as a team, make sure that 
everyone is engaged in combat so they don't escape. So there's, there's a little bit of balancing, but the teamwork is really limited by your action economy. So you have to be careful with that. So I think it, it just makes for a really good game. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a really enjoyable one. I know I kind of only jumped in and out. You guys kind of played through this more, but, you know, the story following and the different actions of all the creatures is is really cool. Yeah, I think th- th- we had a couple of problems with rules, I think a couple of times before, which was a little bit frustrating. But from a teamwork point of view, it's good because uh, you want to keep yourself available in case other party members are having trouble with a boss. You want to jump out of your guy and, and help them out. So there is that kind of just being aware of other people's actions and being able, being ready to help out. It is a lot of very individual actions as well, though, at the same time, trying to take out these robots. I know there's different ways of playing the game. So one is, you know, there's a lot more competitive way of playing it and there's another, which is more teamwork. So we went with the teamwork version of it. That's true. That's true. It, there is a opposing objective sort of style. It, it does suffer a little bit from player count problems as well. I think it, it worked a lot smoother when we were actually playing a two player. Then when we had played a three player, it was it was a little bit frustrating on, on the action economy. But it was... That's I really, why they stopped telling me when they were playing. They just <laughs> snuck around behind my back playing games. Yeah, I think because there's five different adventures, we stopped halfway at three and then set it up in the box. I think I'd recommend just giving yourself the time to do the whole game in one and then playing it again if you want at another point because you know there's randomness in it and there's obviously expansions to it and so because putting all that back into the box and making sure that you have your guy leveled up in the right way is really difficult anybody who's played Gloomhaven knows this experience knows this problem a lot more you're better off not doing any of that just playing the, way, the whole way through there is randomness in it and it is quite enjoyable you can definitely replay it yeah I really like that um, yeah so my number four is Escape Room in a Box, the Werewolf Experiment. This is an Escape Room game. It's the first one we're going to be talking about. And, you know, Escape Room games are always fun for teams because it doesn't matter what your skill level is or if you've played one before or if you're really experienced in Escape Rooms. It's always just about coming together, problem solving, trying to figure out clues and see who can see what's going on. And of course, the team is very important as well. Whether you're like, some escape rooms are in like Egypt, a lot of them are in Egypt, or a lot of them are based on <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. This one obviously is about werewolves and it's about experiments, so it's like a science thing. But the best thing about this one, which sets it apart from different escape room games, is it's got tactile objects inside the box. So a lot of the escape room games you play are cards, which are great. They're really, really enjoyable. But having the tactile ones, it kind of gives like people something to hold and then they can mess around with. Obviously, this game is quite old at this point, so you'll have to probably find other ones related to it. But yeah, I, I really love Escape Room games as part of teamwork. Yeah, I think Escape Room games are a classic teamwork game. There's a lot to be said for them, and that like challenging your brain process together makes it really interesting. And yeah, I think the fact that they could manufacture actual objects and locks and Petri dishes and bits and pieces were made it very, very, feel very, very value for money. It was probably one of the most expensive escape room games we've bought. Cost-wise, there was like a little barrier for entry there. As your first escape room game, it might be a bit too much, but... It is. It, it's, I think it's, it's way too much. It's probably way too much anyway. It's probably why it didn't <laughs> do so well because you're only playing it once. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're buying all these components for it. So that is tricky. But at the same time, if you know someone who has this game, buy it often for half the price. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, like the, the quality of this and the, you know, the pieces and the puzzles and everything were, were so good. It's hard to have a competitor 
to it. But as you said, a little bit expensive, but the ability for people to put escape rooms into decks of cards or into a box like this is, is just, it's so cool. Brian, what is your number three? Number three I'm going for, I know we have talked to death about legacy games on this podcast, but I'm going, I'm throwing another one in there. I love legacy games. Mechs versus Minions. This one is a, a classic legacy game. If you've never played this, this game is fantastic. The miniatures, the pieces, the components, the puzzles, the games, everything to it is amazing. The box is enormous. It weighs a ton. Lift it with three people if you can. Um, <laughs> it is huge. And you just get like thousands and thousands of little minions in it. But like you're playing with these giant mechs that are just wandering around the board aimlessly. And it's... um. It's called like a programming game where you, you lay out kind of, you know, up to six cards. Uh, you can walk around, you can turn, you can attack. And you're basically trying to complete an objective with sometimes, you know, you're not able to go certain directions because of a, a glitch or a fault. And sometimes, you know, you just don't have the right movement or anything like that. And you're wandering the wrong way or stepping into lava or stuff like that. But it's brilliant because you're all trying to complete the same objective, but you're playing on this really cool, unique little board with all of these fantastic looking pieces and stuff like that. And it's all done so well. Like it's it's really worth it. It's a hard game to find, I think, but it, it's a really, really fun game to play. Yeah, I love I love that kind of legacy game. The, the, the fact there's so much components to it is is a big selling point to it. And yeah, like it is a programming game, so it can get really tricky. But the game does hold your hand a little bit for the first few missions to kind of get you into it, get you into the swing of things, and then like they start throwing some punches. Like the bosses in it are difficult. Oh yeah. my god, so um, hard. <laughs> yeah, like they'll start. Their attacks keep changing. What they're doing keeps uh, messing around with you. You know, if you keep getting attacked, sometimes you can get lucky and it won't affect you too much. But then other times you can really mess with your system. You can just be going the wrong direction and you can be turning around. And tr- the whole game is about just trying to give yourself the right options so that you can like attack the right people at the right time. Otherwise, you're just looking at a wall and you're not doing <laughs> anything. Your goal is wasted, you know? Yeah, getting stuck. You have to do every action. And I think that that makes it a lot more interesting. You have to turn 90 degrees, even if you really don't want to turn 90 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> it's good. And as, as a teamwork game, it, it works really well. Everyone's on the same page, but they're, obviously everyone has different abilities and different power-ups and stuff. Like that, so they're trying to do their own thing. But yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and you kind of have to assign roles. Like when you're moving something across the board, everyone has to know, are they pulling? Are they ahead killing minions? Everyone kind of has has things to fulfill, but without that being explicit, without you getting a card saying you are the person who pushes the thing, you have to like work together to adapt it. And then let's say somebody is doing something and then suddenly their line gets messed up. Somebody else might have to take over and swap in and out. It's especially good teamwork game. Yeah. And Kira, what's your number three? I went for the Thames Murders in Other Cases, which I think is the remake of, we have both the original and the, I think, I don't know if it's a remake or an additional, because they're not the same murders, but there was an original one we played as well, which was a little bit, something, yeah, a little rough around the edges. I think it was a translation of a different game and the translation into English, some of the things didn't make as much sense. But this version doesn't suffer from that. It's a really interesting game in that you're, you're working with one or more people. It's good to have more than one people because you have to figure out who murdered somebody given abstract clues like hundreds of pieces of information that are not relevant, as well as hundreds of pieces of information that are relevant. And you have to sift through it and figure out what happened. I think the teamwork element is you need people to come in with fresh ideas because you can easily get stuck down a, a dead end. And also you have a lot of influence. You can 
drag people down a dead end with you without meaning to. And that kind of balance, yeah, (laughs) makes it all the more interesting. Yeah, this is the second version of it. This wasn't the one with the smoker, was it? I think this is the one after that. Yeah, yeah, so without without giving anything away, like the the first one struggled a little bit in that you had to, like you had to really think weirdly, like you'd be told about a murder and, you know, here's some clues to it. And, you know, there was a witness for a guy running away with brown shoes and black laces and like, you're, you were supposed to know that only six people in London at that time had black shoelaces, that everyone else had brown shoelaces. So if you went to the shoelace maker, he was able to tell you that the black shoelaces, oh yeah, I know the six people who made them, here's their home addresses. <laughs> and you're like, who? Who would have followed that line of questioning? Like you were looking into the murder weapon, the motive and all that, but it turns out, no, nope, shoelaces were what gave them away. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really tricky one because uh, I love the Sherlock Holmes consultant detective uh, games, but it is it is like there's a an invisible nutter player who's just ridiculously good at these kind of games and he just beats everybody every yeah. single time but he won't tell you how <laughs> you know he won't tell you the secrets of how he's doing it so Sherlock Holmes obviously is fantastic yeah it's very it's just a very interesting game and I do think you play off each other you need that motivation there's less rules around it it's less about a game I guess and more about like bringing people along convincing people to do something I really like that side and, and there is there is the ability in this game which is uh, a lot of games don't have this of having breaks as well so like you know when you learn about something or you know you, you read a bit of about the Sherlock Holmes you might be a bit confused what's your next step you can step out away from the board game table you know take the newspaper with you read the newspaper have a cup of tea go into a different room think about it and then come like Eureka I've got it <laughs> we have to go to the shoelace factory <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not a timed game no unlike not, a lot no. of escape room games or that sort of puzzle solving games it is more of a he's going to ask you four questions and you're going to have expected one of them <laughs> You're going to have gone a whole different way about an affair with a monkey uh, (laughs) on on the other tree and then that's not going to come up at all. Yeah. Yeah, like, and you, you'll you will have your own kind of uh, assumptions as well. Like, you know, you'll, you'll end up like, going to like embassies that you might think have something to do with it and like it won't have anything to do with it. Yeah. And so all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, my number three is Descent, Journey into the Dark, the second edition. This is a really great game. This is an RPG kind of like Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is a lot more deeper in its campaign. But the reason Descent gets number three higher than, than Gloomhaven is because it's just a much easier game to play. It's a quicker game to play. It's easier to put back into the box and you're not having to worry about things too much. You know, Gloomhaven obviously is an experience and a lifetime, but the scent is something that you can play with anybody. Take it out and you're you're just playing a, role, a board game, role-playing game. It's just a fantastic experience for everybody there. And it's just, it's filled with tropes. So there's like orcs and goblins and you can be the warrior and you can be the wizard and there's not too much depth into it which allows you to just have some fun, roll some dice, you know, break down some doors, get some loot. It's just far more satisfying and it just gets to that teamwork element. There's less stress about like, oh, I need to get this many spaces up so I can activate my ability, which does this. It's more like, I'm a barbarian. I'm just going to run in. <laughs> you, know? you just collect tokens. The tokens are the same tokens each round. There's sometimes different colors, but you don't have to worry. You just have to play the fighting element of the of D&D. The strategic, are you going to attack from a distance? How are you going to level up your character? That sort of fun stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's balanced. It's very balanced. I feel like where it, you know, falls down in comparison to the likes of Gloomhaven and stuff like that is that someone has to be the DM for it. But it's still a, a really fun, interesting game. You know, nice and simple. It can it can struggle for the, for the DM, I think, in that 
sometimes your characters, your bad guys spawn at places that aren't as convenient as you, you would like to stop the players. And you're kind of playing catch up a little bit in some of the levels that we played. I think in Descent, as a DM, for me, I was doing it based on you guys. So I was making it easier, making it harder based on how I felt. So there was choice there as a DM. You're not just following the rules. You're not just doing everything. You can make people's life a hell if you want to. <laughs> There's also the Star Wars Imperial Assault, which is same company, same idea, came out kind of around the same time. It's just Star Wars. And yeah, I love Star Wars. Obviously, Kira and Brian don't. So we, I don't, we play I don't dislike Star Wars. I just never watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. I, 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 it's whatever people are into, you know? So there's those two options are really cool. Fantasy RPG versus sci-fi RPG. Brian, what is your number two? My number two. I've gone a bit controversial with this one. I've gone for Dead of Winter. I really, really like Dead of Winter. It's a really fun game. For those of you who haven't played it, you're kind of working as a team. You're you're trying to fend off a load of zombies. You're trying to go out and gather resources and stuff like that through the hordes of zombies. They're trying to break in. You're trying to defend and block it off and kill the zombies and stuff like that. Where the game falls down a little bit is it, it has a trader mechanic in it where everyone can kind of get secret assigned roles. Now, you can play the game without it. And the game is great fun if you want a fully teamwork-based game where you're all working together. You know, it can still be difficult to do because, you know, to complete some objectives, everyone has to pitch in resources and people might not have them. So it still kind of can be tough to to do. But, you know, the trader mechanic, if, if you like the trader mechanic, it's brilliant. It's, you know, it kind of puts you in a 1v all situation where you're like, like when you're collecting resources and stuff like that, the trader might be throwing in useless junk. So you fail the, you fail the collection because of it. But on the whole, the game, I think is quite good. Like it's, it's really enjoyable. It's got a very good mechanic to it. It's achievable, but it's tough. So like you can, you always feel like you might lose, but you can win. So you don't feel like you're, you're kind of getting nowhere and that, but like that, it does require teamwork and it does require strategizing and working together and stuff like that like you, you can't just send everyone out gathering resources because then the zombies break in and the place gets overrun but you can't have everyone just in defending because then you're not getting any resources and the game isn't going to advance at all yeah i, I think for anybody out there who loves like zombie tv shows and zombie movies and stuff like that this is a great board game to put in like obviously without the trader mechanic there is no personal like conflicts that happen sometimes there is but it's mostly working by teamwork and uh, trying to face off the zombies and the zombies are difficult you will lose this game if you don't work together you know yeah very much yeah it's quite intense and I'd like to point out that Brian also doesn't like the trader mechanic in TV shows and <sighs> hates when there's people in the the zombie fighting group that traitor there are traitors as well. I actually don't mind it that much in games, but just in TV shows, it just feels like lazy, right? Like The Walking Dead, I, oh, I hated that. They had a whole world of zombies to play with, a whole world. And what do they do? They just went and locked themselves in a commune where the zombies couldn't get them. And then they just fought with each other. What's the point? I might as well watch EastEnders. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you do want to see zombies in a zombies TV show, but you will get loads of zombies in Dead of Winter. Yeah, you will. Oh, you'll and, be overrun. And you get to play as a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Labrador yeah. characters in this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's a quite diverse range of characters as well. I mean, you're not limited. <laughs> Kira, what is your number two? Numero dos. My number two is The Crew, which is a card game. And it's an interesting card game because you have to work together with people without talking. And I always find it very interesting 
to see the different, it's really important to see the different styles of play that come into it with the different people playing. I think that, that people have a certain, when it comes to number games, a certain way they like to play. You have to be aware of that when you're playing it. So I think that that makes it very, very interesting. We kind of flew through a lot of the levels. We kind of work well together as a team, but there was some really challenging things. And I think not being able to talk all the time means that you, first of all, we're very bad at not talking anyway. Even in Hanabi and, and things like that, uh, we have a tendency to facial expression our way out of those situations. Not facial on expression is not talking. <laughs> Put it out there. But you're only allowed you're only allowed facial expression when you have the when you have the little thing. Or you, there was there's rules around how you can communicate. Yeah, you can show like one card to, to everyone. But but one thing is, I think some people have very specific strategies, and if you don't keep that in mind, that they're always going to play that strategy, the teamwork can be really hard and it can be kind of rough, and you can you can get into blame and stuff. But then for it kind of teaches you to be a very well-oiled machine, to not have to need to explain yourself. Yeah, I think uh, I love the crew. Uh, I think it's great. It's also a very small game, very tiny game, just a deck of cards. But one of the great things about it is it has these missions. And so there's a lot of missions. I think it's like 100 missions. I can't remember. Loads. Um, Loads, yeah. But each mission introduces you to new mechanics, new ways of playing the game. And it gradually gets harder and harder, but in different ways, in like communication and different, like there's so many different things that are being brought to this game. I would say that one of the downsides is you kind of have to play the missions with the same group of people because if someone jumps in halfway, there can be a lot of rules currently being added and you kind of have to maybe go back and play a couple of the earlier missions, you know. For a small game, there's a lot of depth here and it's all about teamwork. So if you have a friend or whatever who loves bridge, not really sure about this whole board game fancy thing, <laughs> the crew is what you want to give them because that that <laughs> the crew is exactly the kind of thing that will introduce them to the whole hobby. You so know? if you don't think enough 90-year-olds are playing board games, <laughs> <laughs> they will love it here's as well. Your, here's your gateway game. <laughs> if they love bridge, they will love the crew. There are, the reason I mentioned bridge is because the mechanics are very the same, except for this has teamwork. And bridge is about being competitive and yeah. teamwork. Pretty sure bridge has teams. It, yeah, you can have pairs and, and and working together and stuff like that. But this is about everyone working together in the crew. Yeah. Own. What is your top two? My top two is the probably the most difficult game you're going to see on this top fifteen list. <laughs> uh, probably by far. You can't see me shaking my head on this podcast, but Jesus Christ, I'm, <laughs> I'm remembering this game. This but, is game is called Ghost Stories. Probably not that well known. Anybody who does know it, it is they know it for a reason. We've played this lots and lots of times. You are martial artists going against ghosts and ghouls and goblins. and Well, not goblins, but like lots of uh, creepy things. And you have a lot of different actions on the game board. And these ghosts keep attacking you constantly. And there is like crazy mini bosses and then there's big bosses. And they keep appearing from the deck. And they appear at such a rate that there's absolutely no way you can beat these guys. <laughs> and you can easily lose the game very early on. Like straight away, you can think yeah. you're, you can be ready to play for like an hour or whatever, and you can just die. And they can get very tense because if you, as you play, you're halfway through. If you were halfway through, things are getting sweaty because now it's like we actually have a chance of doing this. And suddenly, like you haven't gotten this far in a while, like you're talking about just beating the game once, yeah. you know. So it, we we played true ghost stories loads and loads and loads of times, so many times, so many times until we came just close, and then we did it once, 
and it was crazy. Set um, the game on fire. We've never looked back. <laughs> the sense of achievement. Yeah. yeah it, it, because it's so difficult, that sense of achievement is really, really And it was, it, us beating it was pure luck. It just like, you had to have two samurai on exact opposite sides to each other. And they had, they had to have the main boss between them. And it was just pure chance that those were the <laughs> only two squares left available to us. And we happened to be on them and he happened to be played out right between us. I was just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> It is very much a game of knowing everything about the ghost stories and your actions and also knowing what kind of enemies you're going to be facing and where you should be. Very strategic game. It requires a lot of patience. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's two people who are listening to this right now and those are like, I'm never playing this game. Another one's like, all right, let's give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it is. The, the sense of achievement for beating this game is like nothing you've ever experienced. It's, you know, it's all of your Christmases rolled into one. It's, it's everything. So what is, Brian, your number one? My number one teamwork game has to be Magic Maze. For those of you who've never played Magic Maze, I think we've talked about it in another podcast, but it's a game where everyone has directions you can move. But like, I might only be able to move right, Owen might only be able to move up, Kira might only be able to move down and left. And none of you are allowed to talk throughout this whole game, but you have to move pawns around a whole board. But because I can only go right, I can just move pawns to the right. So I'm waiting on other people to move my pawn for me and stuff like that, while they're waiting on me to move theirs. And it's such a clever game for absolutely zero communication, where you are playing to just, you're doing such simple objectives. If you could move yourself, it would be, it's like playing snakes and ladders. You're just moving through a simple maze. But when you add in the element of not being able to talk or not being able to do all the directions, oh, it's just chaos. And you're relying on people to figure it out that you need them to do something. And like, and there's this the do something piece. It's like a big pawn you have in the game that you can just like put in front of people when you need them to do something and they just haven't seen it yet. And it is the most beautifully passive aggressive game piece that I have come across in any game ever. Because you're just picking it up and banging it on the table in front of them. It's like, move the piece up, move them up. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love Magic Maze. The teamwork in it is great. It's, it might as well be called like facial expressions, the board game, because sometimes <laughs> people will be angry, sometimes they'll be confused, they'll be <laughs> terrified. And uh, it's all based on the game because like you're either the person who needs to do something or you're the person who's waiting for someone else to do something. Yeah. And you're all always terrified that you should be doing something and you can't see it you know like <laughs> and it, happens. Board. Yeah. it happens so often <laughs> and everyone's just waiting for that person to do it and there's like three people looking at the board and you're like uh, one of us has to do something <laughs> and I hope it's not me <laughs> it's four thieves stealing something and then leaving a building and you're not tied to any of the four thieves you are tied to a direction. It's such a weird sense of like, I'm tied to turning left. <laughs> it's fascinating. It, it's a different, it's a, a very dynamic way of playing. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting one. It's, it's so like, it's amazing how teamwork heavy a game can be when you're not communicating in any way with your teammates other than dropping this like little white pawn in front of them. It's so much fun as a teamwork game and it's so hectic and high pace. And like they, there's, dozens and dozens of levels in it so it can get progressively harder like the start is relatively simple and it's just getting used to the mechanics but it adds in different movements and directions and opening doors and stuff like that and it's it's brilliant absolutely brilliant I couldn't recommend it more yeah I love those teamwork games that's so cool yeah I think that's a really great top one I, I definitely love to play that and it's, it's it, they're short enough games you can take breaks between them and there's lots of levels it's really good so my top one is Save Snowball. 
This is an escape room game that we designed. As we said earlier in the podcast, we absolutely love escape room games. We fly through them. We love Deckscape as Exit. Just we can't get enough. And this was where we thought we would be helpful, first of all, to, to try our own one, design something interesting and then kind of uh, stay away from the normal options that there were out there. Because as I said earlier, a lot of Egypt-based escape room games and a lot of Sherlock Holmes-based ones. So in our escape room, you're actually trying to save a bunny, your pet rabbit. It's the same sort of concept. You want to you wanna, yeah, solve puzzles and work together. And like, we just really love it. We love real escape rooms as well. That whole working together to, to complete something and that sense of accomplishment of when you do it. We think that this is a nice family-friendly option, but also hard enough that it'll challenge anyone who's playing it. Yeah, I love to save Princess Snowball. I think the, the, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure game where you get to pick, you know, solve, make the solutions to your problems are the ne- place you got to go next. And I think that style, that gameplay is like something you don't see a lot in escape room games and it makes things a lot more interesting because you can, like, you're not you're not going to give tips unless you want to give tips. And so you can't really accidentally, like, solve problems. It's not one of those games where, like, you flip it over and then you see if you're right. You if you, By finding the card... You found if you're right or not, and then you flip yeah. over the card, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm wrong," or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that mechanic as well, where you're not, you know, it's not just flip it over. Oh, you were, we got it wrong, but you continue on the story anyway. Like if you guess the wrong code or something like that, you'll flip over a card that goes, "Oh, sorry, try again," and then you still have to figure out the puzzle. So yeah. you're not just being cheated your way through the game. You're not just flicking through a whole deck of cards. You actually have to to solve and to work it out. And it, there's a good variety and a good range of puzzles in it. Yeah, that's that's cool. And it, like you know, because that's the style you want to give people a chance lots of different choices and the puzzles are really cool I like, I like it yeah my number one is uh, Pandemic which is we've mentioned it maybe a few times before in the podcast <laughs> just maybe once or twice I might have had a specific podcast just on this one specific game <laughs> unsurprisingly it's on the top of my list it is uh, yeah, I think that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it is a classic to find out what we actually think about it listen to all our other podcasts where we talk about it yeah, I, yeah as, as teamwork games go it's the thing that brought me into cooperative board games it's the one that showed me that board games don't have to be hostile aggressive places <laughs> they can be really friendly and it's it's a, it's a challenge it's always a challenge and it's it's fun to be able to see the world and like actually see the world map and and put tokens down and, and like save France or whatever, you know? And I like the you have a lot of influence. You can do your own thing and you can not stop the pandemic if you do. That whole uh, having a lot of influence, getting to do what you want, getting to work together to actually strategically overcome something. That's all really, really enjoyable. A lot of teamwork, a lot of working together. And it's it's a, like fast paced too. The pandemics or the epidemics have to be squashed quickly or yeah. they go get out of control. And, and like uh, Brian said with Mechs and Minions on Legacy Games, obviously Pandemic has Legacy Games and they're not only great for teamwork, but they're also just great for creating a shared experience uh, between everybody of the same thing. So yeah. Takes all around. And such a such a good game. It has spawned so many offshoots. As I was saying, it has three legacy games, I think it is. Season yep. zero, one, two. Yeah, they don't happen in that order. One, two, zero. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then there's also the dice one. Then there's the, oh, there's the wrong one. one. There's the one where you put out stickers. There's one for dams. You're creating dams in, uh, I think it's Amsterdam. <laughs> we're actually creating the, 
the infrastructure. There's a lot of them. There's, there's, <laughs> an, there's an addition to the original Pandemic game as well. It's it, there's yeah, there's lots of different uh, different yeah. versions of it. So if you've played Pandemic and you think you've mastered Pandemic, there's so much more for you out there as well. But, yeah, like like the base game it is one of these things where usually you get the second edition or the or the expansion or the different. I would go base game every time. Pandemic, the base game is the best. A lot of replayability. Yeah. I think the fact that it can happen anywhere, you can get a cluster and depending on where the cluster is, changes the whole landscape of the game throughout it. Is it in a place like really far apart or is it in some nest like Europe is where it can be really hard to manage because it's three stops to get from one place that looks pretty close on a map to another place that looks really close. And I was like, when you're, you're like, you're just on top of everything, you think you've got it under control, you're just about to get the diseases cured. And then all of a sudden there's just outbreaks on the opposite side of the globe. And you're like, oh God, damn it. Can't just ignore them. Must run. <laughs> well, it's the same, you know, like you have choices you got to make during pandemic. And I love that feeling of like, Riyadh has like two disease cubes on it. And we're like, all right, all we have to do is just Riyadh just doesn't have to come up. <laughs> so we're, we're flipping over tree cards. There's no Riyadh. And you're like, Sao Paulo. And you're like, great. <laughs> and just this anticipation over yeah. what the next two cards are going to be, which is great. You don't get that Whoa. in a lot of games. <laughs> it's always Riyadh. It always outbreaks. It always outbreaks. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing is, like, you're like, oh, we have everything so under control. There's two max cubes and there's only two cubes in one city. Every other city has one cube. We are fine. And then you're like, and that one city has like, a pandemic and or it gets a gets a disease cube and an outbreak happens in the city beside it and then it just all scars throughout yeah. the whole board and ruins it and you're like yeah. oh yeah. we were so close cool that pretty much wraps it up for our top 15 teamwork games follow us on social media to help us out we've been decking awesome games thanks for listening see ya thanks guys bye